a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, the night that, uh, well, I share different uh, news items and stories about sexuality that, uh, that I came across that I'd like to share with you. And some of the ones that we're going to be talking about, uh, subtle signs of emotional abuse. This is on the heels of yesterday's show, which was uh, pretty powerful and, and pretty intense when it comes to abusive uh, relationships and, and codependency. So I just want to do a little follow-up on that one. Uh, we're going to also going to be talking about micro-weddings. These are all the rage. Would you choose a micro-wedding over a big-ass wedding where it costs, you know, minimum 30 grand? Uh, and also women pretending to be men on Instagram to avoid uh, censorship. And if we have time, is being a good enough partner sufficient. And what does that mean, being a good enough partner? Plus at 10.30, we will play Dirty Minds with your chance to win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch, a boutique gym on the West Island. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. All right, a couple of questions that I got by email that I want to share with you. But of course, uh, you can always text them in at 514-800. If you're going to send them by email, it's to laurie at drlaurie.com. You can send them throughout the week. Just tune in at the beginning of every show uh, where I do answer uh, those questions. What happens to women if they take Viagra? Now, that's a good question considering when Viagra first came out, they tested it on women as well to see. So... What, what Viagra does to men is it increases blood flow to the penis. If women take Viagra, it increases blood flow. It'll work to increase blood flow to the genitals. However, when, it first, when they first studied it, what they wanted was, hey, let's see if we can find a drug to increase desire in women and let's test this Viagra. But Viagra doesn't do anything for desire. All it does is increase the blood flow. So right now, it's not recommended uh, for women's use. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, it's not something that I, I would recommend. Um, but that's what would happen if, uh, if women uh, take Viagra. I heard birth control pills help girls with acne. Can it also help me? I'm a boy. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, so it's true that women who have uh, troubled skin um, will uh, sometimes go on birth control and it does clear up the skin. This is not for boys, not for young boys. It's estrogen related so that you're talking about giving female hormones to a male. You will grow breasts if you do that. Uh, and um, I don't know if it'll clear up your acne. It's not, it, it, this is not meant for, for boys. So why don't you speak to your doctor and find out what is available for acne for men. I believe there are think there's a medication called Accutane and there's other medications on the market now that are specifically uh, for that so uh, yeah um, this is also from another teenager I think at what age can a girl become pregnant so there's an old saying that goes old enough to bleed old enough to breed uh, when a woman, uh, when a girl gets her period, 
this is when she is uh, able to become pregnant. So remember that, old enough to bleed, old enough to breed, as the saying goes. Another question here, can you get pregnant without having intercourse? And that's a, that's a good question. So how does, uh, obviously you need sperm to enter the vagina and to swim up the canal and reach the egg and all of that. So those little guys, those sperm are actually very strong swimmers. So if you were to ejaculate very close to the opening of right at the opening of the vagina, it is possible. Possible. Is it probable? I don't think it's probable, but it is possible to get pregnant without, uh, without having intercourse if the ejaculation is right at the entry point. So, uh, also, um, there are some people who have gotten pregnant using, uh, turkey basters, basically anything to, sh- to put the sperm up into the vagina without having, uh, without having intercourse, but that's for a whole other, a whole other thing. I'm assuming you're just wondering if, uh, you know, uh, maybe you're a young person just asking that question. My girlfriend and I had sex with a condom. She was on top and I finished. However, after I pulled out, I realized my pubic area was a little wet. I'm not sure if it was her wetness or if it was my sperm that leaked through the base of the condom. Is there any chance that she gets pregnant this way? So if it was your sperm that leaked out, then yes, there's a possibility. This is why we tell people to, uh, to pull out while still erect. If you wait until you go soft, then yes, the sperm can seep out of the, uh, of the condom. But if you pulled out when erect and you held down the, the base of the, of the condom and the penis, then it's most likely your partner's own, uh, lubrication that you're, uh, you're feeling there. You would notice probably a difference to like, you could, uh, you can smell it. You could see the, the texture of it. So which, uh, you know, a woman's lubrication is different than, uh, than sperm, for example, although you know, my, it, you might not be able to tell that way, but if you pulled out when, it, when completely erect, then it's not something you should uh, worry about too, too much. Uh, Dr. Lori, it has been four years since my girlfriend broke up with me. I'm still heartbroken. How can I heal this situation and live again? So when, um, when grief, especially over a breakup, lasts for years and years, there's some issue going on there. You need help to get past this. So I would recommend that uh, you seek out a therapy uh, with a with with a psychologist or a, a psychotherapist to talk about this grief process and see what is it that you're holding on to. Sometimes there are unconscious reasons why we hold on to heartbreak and it could be that it's a way to avoid uh, intimacy with anybody else. It's a way to be emotionally unavailable for somebody else. So you, you're going to need to f- kind of figure out what it is um, 
to uh, you know what you need there uh, to get past that. And, and sometimes you need to talk it out with a professional. Uh, condom reduces risks of pregnancy and STDs. Does not eliminate possibilities. It, it doesn't eliminate a hundred percent the possibilities. You're right because condoms are not one hundred percent effective, except if they're used properly and they don't break. They're very highly effective. They don't protect against all STDs because uh, there are some sexually transmitted infections, in fact, that are transmitted uh, through the skin-to-skin contact of the genitals, like uh, human, the human papillomavirus and herpes. So they do not protect against all sexually transmitted infection, but it is the best we've got. So it, um, it reduces the risk, but does not uh, eliminate that. But as for pregnancy, uh, it's pretty safe to say it will unless it, uh, unless the condom breaks. Coming up, the subtle signs of emotional abuse and a couple of texts to share about that too is, uh, yesterday we got quite a few texts of many people in these kinds of situations. So I just want to, uh, talk a little bit about that. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Before I get to the uh, emotional abuse signs, I just want to share a couple of texts here. On the subject of being heartbroken still after four years, Texter writes, are you serious? I still have deep feelings from my first. I was 14. I'm 60 now. Likely beyond help now, LOL. I think this person was far more uh, serious. It's not serious in the sense that he feels he hasn't been able to move on. So he's been stuck at this place. That's very different than having deep feelings for all the people that you've loved in your life. I, I do believe that everyone you've ever loved has a piece of your heart and that doesn't uh, necessarily go away, even if it ends badly. Um, but it's about moving forward. And when you're stuck and not moving forward, that's when you know you actually um, need help. All right, let me uh, let me share this with you. This is uh, after yesterday's show. I didn't get a chance to do this, but uh, we were talking in general about uh, emo- about emotional abusive relationship. We were talking about codependent uh, relationships, and I want to talk about emotional abuse because this is what is used to gain power and control in a relationship, and it's not as easy to recognize like physical abuse, very easy to recognize, um, and emotional abuse, much more insidious and much more, uh, invisible to, uh, the outside world and much more subtle. That's the thing it's. And, and so because it's so subtle, it can also be really confusing to the people who find themselves in these types of relationships because they can often be, um, couched in what looks like, uh, caring behavior. So usually at the beginning of these relationships, the, uh, the emotional abuser can be very attentive and and even, uh, kind. They're kind of, it's a grooming process, kind of, uh, they win over your trust. They win over, uh, your, your, uh, confidence, 
which then makes the person who falls for that more um, more vulnerable to uh, to the uh, abuse. So remember, it is used to gain power and control in a relationship, and many of the uh, the forms that it takes is. Uh, things like insults and criticizing, threatening, gaslighting, ridiculing, shaming, intimidating, swearing, name-calling, stonewalling, like giving somebody the complete cold shoulder, uh, lying, belittling, ignoring. All of these uh, are um, are signs of, uh, of emotional abuse, someone trying to gain power and control over you. Of course, there are a lot of scars and damage done by this kind of relationship, especially uh, over time. Over time, people, uh, the the recipients of these uh, types of behaviors can experience anxiety, uh, depression, sometimes post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse issues, all kinds of things like that. So here are uh, some warning signs subtle warning signs that could indicate that you're caught in this type of toxic relationship. So think about this for a minute. You walk on eggshells to avoid disappointing your partner. So basically that means you're always second guessing yourself and you're self editing. You, um, so you're always like trying to anticipate, right? You don't want to trigger Uh, uh, your partner's reaction, for example, or their anger or anything like that. Uh, Your partner uses gaslighting to maintain the upper hand in the relationship. What is gaslighting? Basically, gaslighting is being something being turned on you, making you feel like you're the crazy one or making you think, feel that you didn't hear this quite right. So you'll hear things like, you're not remembering correctly, or I never said that. I never did that when you know darn well that they, uh, that they did, but they be, and then you start to question yourself. You start to think, well, is it me? Did I, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe he or she is right. So that's what gaslighting is. Uh, Another subtle sign, your partner requires constant check-ins and wants to know where you are and who you are with at all times. So at first that can seem like, uh, like genuine, uh, caring and, and concern, but really it's about wanting to keep tabs on, on the other person. And, and it's a, a form of, uh, control. Uh, your partner says hurtful things about you disguised as jokes. So when they say something and you get offended or upset, they, they will say things like, I was only joking. You're just, you're too sensitive. Uh, you'll hear things like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes these are mean or sarcastic, uh, remarks, but we all know they all have a, a grain of truth, right? When they are said out loud. Another sign is you find yourself apologizing even when you know you've done nothing wrong. So emotionally abused people over time often come to believe that they are the ones who are either stupid, inconsiderate, or selfish um, because their partner has told them that over time. They've they've told them that they are unlovable and nobody likes them or um, you're the one who's being inconsiderate and you're being very selfish and things like that. Uh, another sign is your partner is hot and cold. So it could be loving one moment and distant and unavailable 
the next and you can't figure out like no matter what you do no matter how what you try so which leads you to feeling like whatever you do is is never quite good enough and that's part of the walking on eggshells not knowing are you going to get the cold partner or the hot partner at that point Uh, another subtle sign is your partner refuses to acknowledge your strengths and belittles your um, accomplishments so put downs and degrading uh, comments for example and they you know sometimes these uh, these people who are oftentimes narcissistic don't want you to outshine them so they will put you down or show little interest in you or uh, or ignore you or things like that uh, which of course can erode your confidence and self-worth over time big time uh, your partner withholds affection sex or money to punish you so we're talking about the subtle signs of emotional abuse here Uh, you've lost sexual desire for uh, your partner well that stands to reason if there's no trust and um, if you don't feel safe with a partner for example Uh, you feel sorry for your partner even though they hurt you remember that emotional abusers are master manipulators and they will be able to use you in such a way at the same time making you feel that it's uh, somehow your fault or uh, or they'll make them that they will cry victim like it's it's it's, it's because you know I had a really crappy childhood or uh, you really hurt me when you said this or that and so you end up uh, feeling sorry for them. Remember, you have to put this all in the context. If if your partner does multiple things that I'm talking about here, then you are likely in a toxic environment. And finally, uh, the, the, the last one that's mentioned in this article, your partner is always changing plans in order to surprise you, or so they say. So it's a, it's a type of Uh, control right they will change plans in order to gain control over a situation Uh, so uh, our passion poet wrote something appropriate for this uh, this topic Um, some people want control they want to manipulate but it's just a matter of time before your partner starts to hate if you are being abused then your partner does not care you are not being true to yourself and your partner being unfair if the abuser cannot change and you have nothing left to give it's time to think about your future you have a better life to live and uh, very very well said very well said Uh, Another texter writes, it took me eight months to get over a relationship that I had for four years in my 20s. And sadly, I still think about her once in a while. That's perfectly normal, by the way, to still think about the loves of your life. And we can have multiple loves uh, in our life. But if you were in a relationship for four years, eight months is pretty reasonable in terms of the time it takes to, uh, to get over somebody for sure. If you want to text in any uh, any of your thoughts, I would uh, love to hear uh, hear your thoughts on any of the subjects that we've been talking about tonight. Another texter, yes, you are 100% right. I never had a, a bad breakup. Wore my heart on my sleeve more often than I care to admit. Have a place in my heart for all of them and room for more. <laughs> Hearts are big. They can be really big. Uh, coming up, something funny that I want to share with you things you can only say on Thanksgiving dirty things you can only say 
on Thanksgiving. So I thought that was cute. And uh, plus we'll play Dirty Minds. Dirty Minds, when I give you three dirty clues and you have to guess what it is. The answer is uh, not to dirty, I promise you. And the all you have to do is call in at 514-790-0800 with the right answer. First caller through gets a one-month unlimited pass to uh, work out at 360 Punch on the West Island. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Time to play Dirty Minds. I'm going to give you three clues. Dirty clues. The answer is nowhere near dirty. First caller through with the answer at 514-790-0800. Wins a one-month unlimited pass to 360 punch. All right, ready? I can get your rocks off. I carry quite a load in front. I dig your hole. What am I? 514-790-0800. And just another text in relation to the um, emotional abuse stuff. I'm sick and can't work. I have no financial help. How do I leave? So how do you leave such a relationship? Well, we talked about this last night. You have to call, uh, you can call shelters. There are um, shelters around Montreal, women's shelters where you can get help and they can uh, get you legal aid. They could get you housing, like there's social workers that help you out there. So if you are finding yourself in a dangerous situation, uh, even dangerous to your mental health, then uh, going to a shelter might be a very good um, place to go. Uh, all right, uh, let's see. Dirt. Okay, here are some things you can only say on Thanksgiving. This is kind of fun. Talk about a huge breast. <laughs> Tying the legs together keeps the inside moist. It's cool whip time. If I don't undo my pants, I'll burst. That's one terrific spread. I'm in the mood for a little dark meat. Are you ready for seconds yet? It's a little dry. Do you still want to eat it? (laughs) Just wait your turn. You'll get some. Don't play with your meat. Just spread the legs open and stuff it in. (laughs) Do you think you'll be able to handle all these people at once? I didn't expect everyone to come at once. You still have a little bit on your chin. (laughs) How long will it take after you stick it in? You'll know it's ready when it pops up. And finally, wow, I didn't think I could handle all of that. Those are things you can only say on Thanksgiving. Hmm. All right, let's see some other, uh, do we have a winner yet? Because that was a pretty easy one. Let's see if we have a winner. No, not yet. All right, here are the clues once again. Um, I can get your rocks off. I carry quite a load in front. I dig your hole. What am I? Remember, it's not dirty in any way. So think, get your minds out of the gutters. The only way to get the answer. I'm really bad at this game, by the way. If I didn't see the answer, I probably would never get them. All right, let's talk about primal sex and a passionate sex life. 
I read this interesting article from a colleague, and I, as I was reading, I said, wow, I get the same kinds of complaints, the same kinds of questions in uh, my practice. Things like, and this is what she mentions, I just want to feel his desire. I want him to look at me like he wants me. Or I wish she'd just let go. I have no idea if she likes how I'm touching her. He asks me if I want to have sex, just like he's asking if I want a cup of coffee. How is that supposed to turn me on? Another one. She doesn't even know what she wants. Her version of communication is to tell me where not to touch, but not what feels good. So these are statements that myself and many of my colleagues hear all the time, especially in long-term relationships and who come to see us who say, we want we want more passion. Like we want a passionate sex life, but how do we go about that? So what's interesting is she points out in this article that how much easier it is for us to have these primal sexual, um, feelings and how to be our, our primal sexual self in short-term relationships or in affairs, which is why affairs can be so powerful, especially when compared to what goes on, um, at home. So we have to be quite careful about that, that interpretation, but in a new when you, when you're entering into a new relationship or it's a new body, it releases these really powerful neurochemicals when, uh, in response to something new or someone new, and we're not thinking we're, we're going with our brain chemicals at that point. So it makes it feel so much more, um, passionate, right? But in long-term relationships, where we have, you know, greater trust and comfort with our partner, guess what? These neurochemicals diminish. So when those neurochemicals go down, our minds take over. So because the neurochemical is about the body and then you've got now the diminishing of those neurochemicals. So suddenly now your everyday brain comes into play, right? Which includes a lot of negative thoughts that many people have, which have a lot of power. Things like, and I, I like what some of the things I mentioned in this article, do I really want to do this tonight? I have a big meeting in the morning and I need my sleep. Or I eat too much for dinner. The last thing I feel like doing is getting naked. Or I don't feel like putting all that effort into uh, just getting an orgasm. And so these thoughts get in the way of our uh, of our sex life. It's so it's easy to um, stay in our brains. And I've talked about this many times on the show about how to be in your body rather than your brain. When you're in your brain, it's, it's impossible. Like when you're in your mind and it's thinking and thinking, you can't be in your body and fully primally sexual. So great sex originates in, in the, in the body, in the, your body responding, right? But your body can't respond if your brain is getting in the way. So there's a couple of things that, uh, this, uh, this person mentions some, some points. So being in tune to your body, if you want to express your body's desire, you have to be in tune with it. Uh, she calls this embodiment. Uh, I call it mindful sex, for example. Uh, but you have to keep bringing 
your awareness away from your thoughts and focusing on your physical sensation. This is what I tell, especially men who suffer from premature ejaculation, for example, focus on what your body is feeling so that you can control your body more because it's all, you know, for them, it's all about uh, letting that, um, it's letting go too soon, right? Uh, And also for people who have trouble with orgasms, women who have trouble um, getting there or letting go, if they focused on just their bodily sensations and let themselves go and let their brains go so there's no shame, no guilt, no no thoughts about what their bodies look like or what their performance is all about, none of that is there, then you can be in your pri- more in your primal, um, you can access your primal sexual nature. The other thing too is what this person says is you have to learn to tolerate sexual intensity. So um, many people unfortunately diffuse a lot of that intensity because they're uh, they're uncomfortable with it. They're uncomfortable with being that vulnerable. Allowing yourself to be completely in your body is a way. It, it it's a it can feel risky and vulnerable. But who, it, when you're in a long term relationship, that's the person you want to do it with. Hopefully, the relationship is positive and not emotionally abusive. Because if it is, then you will not get to that point. So you want to fix that before you get to that point. But let's just say everything else is good. This is how you access your primal uh, sexual nature. So think about that for a bit. It makes a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of sense. This is Passion on CJAD 800. So Karen is our winner. Uh, let's see the, uh, so here are the clues again. I can get your rocks off. I carry quite a load in front. I dig your hole. The answer is I am a bulldozer. Congratulations, Karen. You have won. Okay. Let's, uh, micro weddings. Have you heard of micro weddings? I I actually performed a micro wedding this summer of a very close friend of mine. She was having her, it was a second marriage and, both, both people came from very large families. So if they were going to have like a normal wedding, it would have meant a huge expense, hundreds of people, and it was just too much. So this was rather than doing it just at the uh, courthouse, for example, they want, did it their way. So, uh, and they followed like pretty much everything I'm going to tell you about here in this micro, uh, a micro wedding. So basically a micro wedding is a small, very small wedding, tiny wedding, actually very tiny, intimate affair that usually involves uh, immediate, like I'm talking immediate family, like parents, or in my friend's case, all it was were their kids, their kids and, uh, and me who performed, uh, the ceremony and that was it. And it was a lovely, lovely day. Uh, and they had a great time and, and it was great. When you think about the average couple spends over $30,000 on a wedding, imagine $30,000. So, and then forget that there's, that's the cost, but then you have the family drama and all the details and all of the emotional costs that go with all of this. So here, uh, 
they talk about a micro wedding, which could have uh, better, which will be better for your mental health and, and maybe possibly your marriage. So they talk about the edited guest list. You don't have to agonize or argue over who to invite, like every single cousin or whoever, whoever. Uh, you just invite whoever you want, the very closest people to you. So basically you're cutting your guest list by about 90%. And most people understand uh, if they didn't make the cut because they know they're not in the immediate, immediate, immediate family. So you don't have to worry about it. It's not like you are extending, you know, you're just inviting your uh, let's say your favorite aunt or your favorite cousin or whatever, then of course you're going to start family drama. But if you keep it to a very, very minimal uh, group, then it's very different. Uh, then of course, uh, when you're talking about the decor, you only have to decorate one table, but you can decorate it as you wish. There's the anything goes attire. You can dress how you want. Your, your people can dress how they want. You can still wear a wedding gown if you choose to. You can do all of that. You can still have the photographer and you can still have all the things that go with it without having the huge, um, the huge expense. So in this article, they said you, you still get to have your dream wedding. So you can have your incredible cake and your beautiful flowers and the playlist that you want, but, um, on a much, much smaller scale, which means you can splurge on those special things like the meal, for example, can be a, a splurge or what you your veil or your hat, your, uh, your, your dress, your, your crown, if you want any, any of that stuff. So, I thought, well, that's a good idea. I think a lot of people, I don't know what you think, but I think a lot of people are opting for these uh, micro weddings these days. I can't, like the millennials that I've spoken to, I haven't spoken to many who want the big, big, you know, three, 400 person uh, wedding anymore. It's, it's about simplifying things now. And I'm, I'm all for that. And maybe because I have two daughters that you know, I'll have to marry off one day, I guess. And, I say go for it. Go for the micro wedding. I'd be uh, I'd be good with that. Uh, another story. Actually, let me just share this. Uh, this text writes: Truth. Men have forgotten the true art of romance. When was the last time your man bought you a single rose for no reason at all? I consider myself a romantic. I do that and so much more. Put little "I love you" notes in her coat pocket so she can find randomly. I make her smile without even being there. Try it. Bonuses, you get more good loving. I see what you mean there. And you're right. When women talk about what they need in order to want to be more sexual, they talk about those things. They talk about those little romantic gestures outside of the bedroom, all of those little attentions outside of the bedroom, actually. So you're quite right when you talk about that. Uh, last story I want to share with you. Uh, this was the headline. Women are pretending to be men on Instagram to avoid sexist censorship. So apparently um, there is a, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know this, but on Instagram they have this uh, a shadow ban. So where they, um, when they, they kind of, uh, they, they hide things, they hide photos and videos that they consider to be vaguely inappropriate without explaining what specific kind of content that that includes. And they don't alert the affected, uh, users. So uh, there's been a response to this now. 
it's interesting because you don't even know that they're doing it. You just know that your stuff isn't being seen because you're noticing a drop in whatever, especially Instagrammers who uh, make a living from their social media, right? Who are influencers and, and they actually make a living doing that. So they call this type of, of covert censorship as shadow banning. And apparently it has disproportionately affected women and members of marginalized communities, including those whose livelihoods depend on Instagram. Um, so one person wrote, many of us within the pole dancing community rely on Instagram to thrive. We use them, we use Instagram to share training videos, connect with new people, and for lots of us to grow our business. In late October, having already watched her content's engagement steadily decline for months, this one woman decided to change her profile to male. She'd seen research suggesting Instagram's algorithm is biased against women and felt like she had nothing to lose. Within three days of switching, she said things went back to normal, that her posts were getting far more likes and views all over again. So, uh, which meant that uh, Instagram was displaying them to a wider audience. Remember that we use hashtags and hashtags are, are used... Uh, as um, to alert people to content, right? So if I hashtag passion, people who are interested in passion or the the e either the show or uh, anything to do with passion, we'll be looking that up and, and we'll look for people who posted about passion. So they wouldn't be seeing those things, which I find so interesting that they actually uh, target women. Now, I don't know if this is... I don't know how factual all this is, and this is anecdotal. Like these are a few people who are saying that this happened to them and that it, it in fact um, made a difference. But if that's the case, that's uh, pretty disturbing if you ask me. Imagine having to pretend to be men on Instagram so you can post your stuff. Like how, why would they target differently? I find that a little bit disturbing, frankly. And on that note, I will say good night to you all. And thank you, thank you for uh, spending time uh, with me. Thank you to our technical producer tonight, Aaron Lakoff, our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. If you want to connect uh, with me on social media, at Dr. Lori Batito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or through my website, drlori.com. I've uh, put up, well, I haven't, but uh, Aaron certainly has uh, put up all the podcasts of this week's show. They're all up on my page. So if you missed any of the shows, you can see them there by topic and by date. Uh, and if there's anything you missed, well, you can download them and listen to them at your leisure. Coming up next on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. In the